You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today I'm talking about how to interpret sleep data. Are you trying to get a better quality sleep and more sleep and are curious to know what your sleep data means and how to use it? Well in this episode I'm going to explain sleep hypnograms to you and how you can use them to understand your sleep and help you to feel better. What we'll be covering is what is exactly sleep data, what is a sleep hypnogram, what does your sleep data mean, and then how can sleep data and hypnograms help to improve sleep. By the end of this episode, you'll have some tools to take away to help you to measure, monitor, and improve your sleep. Let's start by saying that sleep is now becoming recognized as a national and an international health priority because it affects so many areas of life. More specifically, sleep quality and quantity are strongly linked to mental health, to cognitive function and to physical injury. And the fact is that sleep is regulated by lots of different systems in your body, including your circadian control, as influenced by light and dark exposure. And I've covered this in the last episode, and I've also talked about sleep chronotypes as well. So there are a lot of things in the mix. So if you want a good night's sleep, well, where do you start? Let's consider sleep data and how you can use it to make positive changes for a better night's sleep. Well, let's start with that question, what is sleep data? Well, it includes information that's collected about sleep, obviously. <laughs> but there are different types of sleep data that you can collect, and it can range from information that you manually collect or write down, right up to data that you can collect from a wearable device, to data that's collected by experienced practitioners in a sleep lab. So there's different types of sleep data that you can collect and different levels of accuracy and, and specificity as well. Manual sleep data, stuff that you could collect yourself, might include keeping a sleep diary where you write down information such as the time you went to bed, the time you woke up, perhaps a subjective rating of how well you think you slept, for example, on a scale of 1 to 10 where 1 is terrible sleep and 10 is perfect sleep or excellent sleep. And you might also note down any factors that you think might have influenced your sleep the day before, such as caffeine intake, alcohol intake, any medications that you used, use of devices, or any worries or anxiety that you had. So that data is relatively subjective compared to other methods. It's your opinion to the large part, apart from perhaps the times that you went to bed. But it could give you some indicators of what's going on with your sleep. At the next level up, we've got wearable devices, and they can be used to capture physiological data while you're sleeping. And that data captured may include the time you fell asleep, the total duration of sleep, the different sleep phases that you're in and how long you spent in each phase, sleep quality overall as a rating from the data collected, movement during the night, your heart rate during sleep, your oxygen levels during sleep and the time that you woke up. So these, these data may be available on the wearable itself, or it could be in an app that syncs wearable data. Most commonly, these kinds of data points are combined using artificial intelligence or AI to provide an overall sleep score that's visible on the device or a related app. So examples include Whoop, Oura Rings and Apple Watches 
which can either tell you, in the case of an Apple Watch, might tell you on the device or on an app on your phone. Other ways to capture sleep data can include something called nearables. Now, I hadn't heard of these, but these are non-wearable trackers that are placed near your bed and they measure motion, temperature, respiratory rate and other data. So there's something new. There are also mobile sleep apps that detect motion in the night and or might wake you up at the right time in your sleep cycle to make sure that you wake up refreshed. The thing is that the data collected by wearable devices like the ones mentioned may be a bit more accurate than self-reported data and may give you more information, but studies show that they're only like to be around 50 to 60% as good as the data collected in a formal sleep lab using purpose-built equipment. So really, although it's capturing more information, it's not that accurate and isn't reliable. And part of the reason is that the technology just might not be there in the wearable as it is in real life in a sleep lab, but also many of the consumer or most of the consumer wearable devices and apps out there use artificial intelligence. They use algorithms that's purely built from subjective data like questionnaires, which can be biased and which obviously affects the accuracy of the data. There is emerging interest in wearable devices and apps such as the Philia Health, and their algorithms are actually based in physiological studies in a lab. So they've collected physiological data from the body and they're going to report both unique metrics that other people aren't measuring and more actionable and perhaps more accurate data. Then the next level up is clinical sleep studies and they monitor aspects like limb movement, respiratory flow, electrocardiograms, which is your heart signals, electroencephalograms, which is brain activity and eye movement, and electromyograms, which is muscle movements. So you need to be pretty wired up for those. They're expensive and big pieces of equipment and they need specialists to use them. So in that sense, there's lots of ways you can collect sleep data and lots of types of sleep data you can collect. But for most people, it's what you get manually or from a wearable or an app that's most relevant and accessible. And that's the data you can collect easily and it empowers you to take action to improve your sleep. And this is where we get down, well, what is the data down to? What does the data look like? And well, let's start with the question, what's a sleep hypnogram? What is that exactly? There are a few different ways to look at sleep data, but a hypnogram is one. And it's easy to look at because it's a graphical representation of your sleep cycle, which we'll talk about in a moment and it's collected during the hours that you sleep. And in a wearable, it is data collected as activity about every 30 seconds while you're sleeping. And so while it's not very precise, it does allow you to capture data for the different stages of sleep and graph them. So you have a bit of an idea of what's happening. Just to talk about those stages a little bit, they are firstly the times that you're awake and moving as in getting into bed and waking up or waking up fully during the night. Then we have, in terms of the sleep stages, something called non-REM1 sleep or NREM sleep, which is the lighter sleep, and you're in that stage about 10% of the time during the night. The next level is non-REM or NREM2 sleep. That's slightly deeper sleep, and about 50% of the night you're in that stage. Next is non-REM or NREM3 sleep. And that's also known as deep sleep or slow wave sleep. And that's about 20% of your sleep time. 
So if you're getting that level of sleep, that's deep sleep, that's actually pretty good. And then there's REM sleep, which is your rapid eye movement sleep, dream state. So you're dreaming in that stage and you have increased brain activity and that's 20% of your sleep time. So overall, you have this REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement. And then you have those three stages of non-rapid eye movement sleep, which make up the, the non-REM makes up 80% of your night. And in terms of those stages, those four stages plus being awake, well, let's just not count being awake for a moment, count those four stages of three of the non-REM sleep and one of the REM sleep. We cycle through those stages of sleep in turn about every 90 minutes. And for some people that takes a bit longer, maybe it's a 110 minute or 120 minute cycle. And for other people, it's a bit less, maybe 70 or 80 minutes. But we all have these roughly 90 minute cycles and each person has four to six of those cycles during the night where we go into REM sleep and then back into deep sleep. So as mentioned earlier, 20% of that time is in the dreaming phase or the REM sleep. If you look at the blog related to this episode that's on my website, you'll see a sleep cycle hypnogram, the graph. And I'll just describe a couple of things to you. The source of this is from the Journal of Computational Neuroscience from 2016. In the early stages of sleep, so let's say from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. or that period, we tend to have a bit more slow wave sleep, the deeper sleep, and we see um, a different pattern than later, which is say 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. when we have more of that rapid eye movement sleep. So the cycles don't necessarily come up evenly during the night. There's a slight emphasis on slow wave sleep earlier on or that deep sleep and then the rapid eye movement sleep at the end of your sleep period. Um, our hormonal balance regulates this and in terms of that early stage when we're, when we're having more deep sleep in the first half of the night, our hormonal, our hormonal balance has a lower stimulation effect on us so we're able to spend more time in deep sleep. But as we get into the later part of the night and we see more REM sleep in the hypnogram, we have this hormone called acetylcholine and that actually increases to help you process information and memories. And it does that without disrupting sleep, which is kind of interesting. But that's just one of the hormones that affects your sleep. And you would have heard of others like serotonin, uh, which maybe we'll talk about in another episode. So there's this normal graph. And as I mentioned, you can see this on my blog. But there's also a picture I'm showing you of a disruptive sleep hypnogram which shows variations from the normal graph and what might be different is that there may be multiple awakenings so you wake up multiple times during the night or instead of that 90 minute cycle you might have a shorter sleep cycle 30 or 40 minutes or they may be irregular you may spend less time as in less than 20 percent of your time in deep sleep or some of the sleep stages might be absent and there are lots of reasons why those things could happen. Uh, there could be hormonal imbalances. There could be psychiatric disorders. You may have narcoplexy. You may have some other sleep disorder or there may be medication effects. And those are just examples. 
Other things can disrupt your sleep too, like caffeine, anxiety, alcohol, and so on. So if you have a look at those two charts on my blog, you'll see the difference between a normal hypnogram and a disrupted one where the sleep cycles might be shorter or sleep stages absent or less deep sleep. Where can I find my sleep data? That's the question a lot of people are asking. It depends on your device or your app, but I'm going to talk specifically about the Philia Health device and app because I work for that company and I know it very well. So the Philia Health sleep hypnogram can be found by firstly opening the app and then clicking on the sleep icon on the daily dashboard. So every day there's a dashboard recording your last night's data. And then you can scroll down and click on the sleep session from last night. So if you slept for six hours or seven hours or you had two sleep sessions broken up, they'll be listed on that day and you click on the one you want to look at or the only one, hopefully. And when you open that up, you'll see an overall score of sleep and you'll see your total sleep time and your resting heart rate during sleep at the top. So that's the basic overview that you start with. Below that, the sleep score that you get is explained in terms of the factors that contributed to good sleep and the penalties that lower the score. So factors that in contribute to good sleep might include how long you spend in each stage of sleep and your sleep efficiency. And those things are color-coded in a traffic light system showing good, okay, and not so good, red, yellow, or green, yellow, and red. So it's really easy at a glance to see how strong those contributing factors were. In terms of the penalties that might lower the score, you might have some percentage deductions for restlessness during the night, an elevated heart rate, and a number of awakenings. Below that, you can scroll down to see your hypnogram, and that includes the percentage time you spent in each stage of sleep. Remember earlier I said that 20% of time spent in deep sleep is normal, so you'd definitely be looking to tick that box. If you scroll down below the hypnogram, there is other biometric data collected during sleep and also data on your sleep disturbances and when they occurred and how severe they were during the night, and that's based on arm movement. Once again, the traffic light colour system is used in the sleep score section, but also in the biometric data section. It makes it really easy for you to differentiate between the positives in green and the negatives in red. Well, it's great to have all this information, but what does the data mean and how can hypnograms improve sleep? Well, firstly, sleep data can empower you with information that can help you to make better choices to improve your sleep. And according to Villanova University, sleep data can be used for a variety of things, such as improving your knowledge and treatment of sleep conditions, identifying root causes of sleep disorders, linking behaviours to sleep quality, improving your mattress design, and personalising recommendations for better sleep. Even if you don't go into the detail of the hypnogram and even if you don't have the accuracy of lab-based studies, you can work out whether there are issues with your sleep and you can figure out when they occur. For example, using your hypnogram, your biometric data, your sleep score and your disturbance data, you can figure out whether you're getting enough deep sleep and whether when there were potential sleep issues during the night. So if you see disturbance at a particular time or an elevated heart rate, you know that at a certain time of night something happened. 
you might know, notice that those data, this, the sleep score or the hypnogram or those biometrics collected are abnormal on days that you do certain things like working late, using your computer late at night, drinking alcohol, feeling anxious or worried, using devices before bed or having bright lights on in the night or having noise disrupt you during the night. So using it that way, you can link, you can test changing those behaviours and see how that affects your sleep data. And then you might get some indications as to what you need to do to get a better night's sleep more often. Also, your hypnogram can show you at a glance whether your sleep cycles are normal or not. And with that information, as I mentioned, you can experiment to modify your daytime or evening routines or situations even to improve sleep. And hopefully that data reflects positive changes in response to your behaviour change. But if you see trends over time and no improvements in those trends or issues with your hypnogram, then it's a signal that you can go and get some professional help from a doctor or specialist to figure out what's going on with your sleep. Sleep data is so important because it's a tool that helps you to, to some level, be self-aware and self-manage your sleep and to know when to get help. So we covered a lot of stuff today, but the summary, I suppose, is that we did a deep dive into what sleep data is, what hypnograms are, what the data means, and how you can use it to improve your sleep or identify a need to get help. And if you'd like more information on sleep data, hit me up on the contact page of my website at melaniejwhite.com. Other than that, have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.